Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spider. So first off, I hope everybody had a good Easter, celebrated Easter. For the folks who are on spring break, for those of you who work at schools or for people who are students in schools, I hope you enjoyed it. I know I sure did. I had the last week off. And I'll be completely honest, Sunday I got home from my parents' house where we usually go for Easter. And I went up to the tarantula room, I turned on the computer, I sat down to do a podcast, and I went, you know what, no, I'm making this a full-fledged vacation. So I didn't do much spider stuff at all. I did manage to get a video up, and we'll talk about that at the end. But pretty much laid back as far as working on Tom's big spider stuff, I think I just need a little break for a bit. And I think I hold myself to this standard that I have to put out weekly episodes of both the podcast and the the videos and that's a personal thing I think with the podcast it's I know a lot of folks this like makes their ride to work better some folks have jobs that are not the most mentally stimulating jobs and they like to have stuff on for background noise and I know that they look forward to this which is again fantastic so I sometimes feel this obligation to make sure I get them out there but this week I was like you know what I'm gonna take this week off so we did a bunch of spring cleaning I watched some movies I played video games like my 12-year-old self, a lot of, just a lot of relaxation, which is great, but here we are, Sunday, I go back to school tomorrow, and it's time to get back into things, so what better way to get back into real life than doing a podcast, so today, what we're going to be talking about, we're going to kind of string a couple topics together, one that I haven't covered before, one that I have covered in the past and talked about in various, I think, even in a recent podcast, I kind of glossed over this, but We're going to talk a bit about tarantula feeding as it pertains to feeding schedules, how much to feed, power feeding, all that stuff. And then we're going to kind of segue into tarantula lifespans, max lifespans. Now, as I've mentioned ad nauseum in the past, a lot of times I get my ideas from podcasts by comments I get on videos and emails that suddenly I realize, you know, you get one or two of them, you go, all right, this could be interesting. You start getting them, you know, week after week after week, you realize you have something there. And one thing I realize is that in most people, if you've watched my videos, probably recognize this. I don't often put the max lifespan for the tarantulas when I do the husbandry notes. And I think a lot of people think that I'm forgetting this or that I don't know. It's nothing to do with that. It's because it's such a difficult thing to pin down for many of the species of tarantulas we have. And when you ask different keepers that have been in, again, part of the issue is some of these species we haven't had all that long. So we're not sure what their lifespan is. Other species, they live so long that nobody's been able to basically keep one from sling to adult, have it passed yet, and be able to say, hey, you know what, this is how long they live. So there's a lot of question marks there. And I think a lot of times what folks do is we guess or we go online We pull up a husbandry guide, we look at it, it says, oh, these guys live 15 to 20 years, like awesome, and then, you know, the 10, 12 year mark rolls around, spider's not doing well, it dies, like what happened? And unfortunately, it might, nothing might have happened, it might have been natural causes, it might have been quote unquote old age, if we think about it. Human beings, look at the lifespan of a human being, not to get all dismal and dreary, but the human beings of lifespans can vary. We have some folks that make it that was just reading somebody celebrated their 105th birthday and then somebody else 75 years old, they said they died of natural causes. That's a huge gap. So when you're talking about animals that can live rather long lifespans, there can be a lot of variation between the lifespans from one spider to the next. And that's important to keep in mind. Plus, we have this interesting thing with spiders and tarantulas in general, where the conditions, how much they're fed, how warm they're kept, 
can actually contribute to how quickly they grow. That's something that's different from mammals. That's if I take my dog and I keep it cooler and only feed it once a week, I'm going to end up with a starving cold dog. It's it's hideous. Same thing with a human being. It doesn't work that way. We grow at a certain rate regardless. It's not that way with tarantulas. So again, there's so many X factors behind this that it makes it very difficult for people to nail down these lifespans. And one of the things I'm realizing now that I've been in the hobby long enough to have grown several species up to quote unquote old age is that I think a lot of the lifespans in some respects have been exaggerated. I think what people do is cut and paste. They look at one species, they go, well, some guy said his lived to this long and they just say it can live that long. So what I'm going to do today is we're going to talk a bit about feeding, feeding schedules, some changes I'm making in my feeding schedule, something that's much different than when I first started out. And again, I'm not saying my old feeding schedule are bad. I'm going to explain why I do what I do and why I did what I did. And then we're going to talk a bit about how that might impact longevity and some of the ones we might see an impact with and some of the ones we probably won't see any impact with regardless of how much we try to feed them. And then to end it off, I'm going to actually go through some of the species I've had past that have been older to kind of give people a realistic view of what am I getting for lifespans? And, and the good thing is, obviously, in all my videos, I always tell what temperatures they're kept at all year. Mine are usually kept or used to be kept more on the cooler side all year round. Now that we're in the newer house in the summertime, they do get a lot warmer than they did in the past. However, wintertime still in the 70s or occasionally the higher 60s where other folks sometimes it's 80 all years, year round. So mine are not kept overly warm. And I'm not saying that's bad to keep warm, but I know folks that they say they have 80s all year round. And that's like perfect, I think, perfect weather if you want good, fast growth out of your tarantulas. So I think that when I share some of these lifespans, it's a realistic look at what the average person can look at. Now, I want to make it very clear. I'm going to say this a couple times during it because what will happen is somebody's going to hear my lifespans go, well, mine lived this long. I am not saying this is the be-all, end-all. I'm not saying that this is, like, if I say a spider lives eight years, that's not to say people aren't going to have some that live 10 years. Somebody might have one out there that lived... 12 years. I'm not saying that. I'm just trying to give a ballpark idea of what to expect. So to kick this one off, I do want to just spend a couple moments talking about quote unquote power feeding because I had somebody ask me the other day about power feeding their spiders. The I just I want to go through this quickly because I've covered it many times before. But power feeding is the idea. I believe it comes more from the reptile and snake hobby that if you heat something up and you feed it constantly, it'll grow more quickly. Snakes, if you feed them, feed them, feed them, pump the food, they keep growing, 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 growing. And the idea was I think a lot of folks again come to the invert, come to the tarantula hobby from keeping snakes and they start to try to apply the same things that worked on snakes that were they just assume they're going to work on spiders so the idea of power feeding which I will say right now it, there's no real such thing as power feeding with tarantulas I did an article years ago about power feeding where I tried to explain this and somehow it was lost in translation and I remember somebody pointing out you know they're, they're going nuts over arachnoboards because you said power feeding is a thing that wasn't what I said at all I was trying to explain that it wasn't so I want to make it very clear that I don't believe in power feeding as it stands for reptiles it doesn't work the same way with tarantulas so a what happens when people quote unquote quote power feed is I'll get people that are like hey I'm trying to get my sling out of the delicate sling stage so I'm feeding it four times a week that's great that's an aggressive feeding schedule do they they need to eat that much? No, they don't. 
Is it going to work to make their sling grow more quickly? Well, it honestly depends because the part of power feeding that people forget is you need the heat to stimulate the metabolisms. You don't just, if I'm keeping things at 65 degrees and I'm pumping food to them, I'm not going to get super fast growth rate. We've found that for many species of tarantulas, the higher the temperature, the faster their metabolisms go. I talk about a lot that if folks keep theirs on the cooler side, they're not going to have an uncomfortable tarantula. They're not going to have, be putting the tarantula in any type of harm's way, but what they may have is a slower growing tarantula. This is why when people compare their growth rates, a lot of times we want to throw out what temperatures we're keeping them at. So I will say, for example, on one of my videos I posted, I said that mine took a while to reach adulthood. Somebody said, oh, mine only took about a year to reach adulthood. Well, come to find out theirs was kept in the mid 80s for most of its life. So that's going to stimulate that faster growth. So the power feeding thing with tarantulas, it doesn't work like it does with snakes, or I, I'm assuming it, it works with other reptiles, because what ends up happening is they fatten up, and then they go into a pre-molt period, and a lot of times what you'll find when folks use an aggressive feeding schedule is that your spider will fatten up, if it's a sling, it buries itself, and then you sometimes get a prolonged pre-molt period, so instead of, I've had ones that, like slings that I wasn't feeding you know, as often, you know, maybe once a week or so that go into pre-molt and before I know it, boom, they they flip over, they molt, it goes much more quickly. You will sometimes have the extended pre-molt periods. And I've seen this happen more often, and we're going to come back to this a couple times, to those slow-growing, very slow-growing genera of tarantulas. Gramostola, Brachypelma, Afanapelma. I've had a lot of instances where I used to feed them more aggressively. I was trying to get their teeny tiny little things, trying to get them out of that stage. And what you end up having is they eat, they fill up, they look like little ticks, and they take forever to mull. Other species, faster growing species, you may see a faster growth overall during their early life cycle. And this is where the power feeding thing gets kind of confusing because it sort of works on some species, doesn't work on others. So for example... Hapalopus formosus used to be Hapalopus species Columbia large. I was raising some of these up. I got them during the summertime. I was feeding the heck out of them because they were so teeny tiny and they grew like weeds. So that was a species that it was kept a little bit warmer. My transfer room was probably in the like high 70s, low 80s. And I had mature males with just over a year. I had a friend of mine back in the day that she was growing them up. Her temperatures were always in the 80s. She had a male mature out and I believe it was 10 months time. So that's ridiculous. So this is where it gets kind of interesting and where you kind of have to look at the species of spider because are there some that you can get through that sling stage much more quickly? Yes. And I, I think a lot of the majority of the species out there, if you feed them a bit more often, I f used to feed mine like every other day or so way back in the day, you will get them out of that delicate sling stage more quickly. They seem to be built to put on more size more quickly when they're smaller. So the power feeding thing, can you increase a tarantula's growth rate, especially a sling? Let's start with slings first by giving it higher temperatures, feeding it more often. For many species, yes, you will get faster growth rate. Juveniles, a lot of species I've noticed when you're feeding them aggressively, even ones that grow very, very quickly at first, will slow down a bit. This is when you start seeing those much longer pre-molt periods. I'm going to use Formictopus as an example. When I first got my first Formictopus species, I had Formictopus cancerides. I had a trio of them. They went from three quarters of an inch or so to about four inches very, very quickly, just around a year, maybe even closer to five within a year. And then I'm like, this is amazing. These guys are getting so big. These are supposed to get to be eight, nine inches. So I kept pumping the food to them. 
All I ended up with was fat spiders that took forever to molt. We're talking one of them at that time took well over a year to molt. One of them I think was probably closer to two years to molt. They seem to almost have this, some species almost have this like switch that goes where it's like they go from little teeny tiny slings to looking like little mini adult tarantulas and then everything slows way down a bit. Another uh, genus of tarantulas I've noticed the same type of thing from Zenesta species. I got mine as they started off as gangly little inch, inch and a quarter slings, decent sized slings. They hit that like four inch mark very, very quickly and then things slow down quite a bit. So there's ones where I'm guessing that if you fed them less often, if you kept them cooler, you could elongate that one year it took them to get the juvenile stage to two years. You could add, That would be you know technically tacking a year on their life, but they seem to have this natural triggers that once they get to be you know adult size, they're, they're more formidable, able to take care of themselves then things slow down a great deal. There are other species that just grow quickly all the way through. The aforementioned Hapalopus species Columbia large or Hapalopus formosus, spiders that mine grew super, super fast. Salmopia species tend to grow. I've found that mine, most of the uh, Cambridgei, Armenia grew pretty quickly. They are ones that will put on decent size right off the bat and then continue to grow at a decent clip right on through. And consequently, these are species that I think that when we get into the max lifespan portion of this, those are the types of species that I think we can recognize pretty clearly that we can impact the overall lifespan by how much we feed them early on, especially when it comes to the tarantulas with shorter lifespans. We'll get into that in a moment. So the reason I'm bringing all this up is back when I wrote the power feeding article, I honestly didn't believe that feeding tarantulas more often would really do much to drastically alter their lifespans. My thought process on it, and I still think for certain species this is absolutely true, but for my thought process on it is in the grand scheme of things, yes, if it's a male of a faster growing species, mature, many species have males that mature out very, very early on. I've had mature males, like I said, 10, 11 months. I have heard of ones. I've had some old world species, my old velocipes, mature males. I want to say it was around 16, 18 months. They were fully grown. That was very, very fast growth rate. So I do think with like, obviously a male, you can drastically shorten the lifespan of a male if you're feeding your tarantulas more often. That's, I think, a given. Where I struggled a bit to recognize that you could really impact the lifespan that much is when it came to females. And back when I did this article, I did a little chart, which I'm telling you, talk about things I would want back. I was trying to illustrate the effects of power feeding slings. Because again, with power feeding doesn't really work on the older counterparts. There is an argument that if you heat them up and feed them, some species of slings will go through that sling stage very, very quickly. We can't turn a blind eye to that. But my thought process was that even if you were to jack the heat up, feed a sling, get it through the sling stage, it would eventually hit that juvenile mark where the speed of growth would slow down a great deal. And in the grand scheme of things, if you're looking at the average female tarantula, which when I was doing my research, it seemed like everybody was saying they lived 12 to 15 years, 12 to 15 years, 12 to 15 years. And these, this was for the 
faster growing female tarantula species. If you look at that mark, you may be shaving a year off of the overall lifespan. That was the way I looked at it because in theory, you're taking a sling that may take two years to develop into a juvenile and your sling may develop in one year. So if it's a female, you're not going to year off, which in a 15 year lifespan or more, is that really a lot? And the problem was a little side story. This graphic, which I put up there just as a visual, it was not a scientific graphic. I tried to explain in it that it doesn't cover every species of tarantula. It was just kind of a way to say, hey, look it, there's really not that much difference for a spider with a 15-year lifespan. Unfortunately, I got emailed by somebody who used this graphic and said it was scientifically backed up in an argument on a, I believe it was a tarantula forum in Germany, and it was getting shredded. Like, where is the proof of this? There was no proof. It was just supposed to be a nice little way to go, hey, in the grand scheme of things, you're not going to be shortening their lifespan all that much, because I think... One of the arguments against tarantula power feeding was the fact that you were going to drastically reduce their lifespans. And I don't believe that's the case with most of these species. Again, if we're talking about females, males, yes. So a little side story there. I, I wish I had that one back because I remember going, no, 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 this is scientific pace. This was supposed to be just a way to kind of look at it in the grand scheme of things. So Anyway, with males, obviously you can shorten it. Females, not so much. So when I first got into the hobby and got into the doing the videos and the, it started off with the website and then started doing videos, it kind of behooved me to get them out of the sling stage as fast as possible into the juvenile stage because that's usually when I would do my first rehousings and often touch upon their care for the first time. Sometimes I would buy species that were new to the hobby or that people were desperately looking for information on, and I wanted to be able to talk about them sooner than later. And my thing is, you anybody can pick up a sling and throw it in a little jar of dirt and go, hey, this is how you care for them. That means nothing. I want to see what happens a year down the line, two years down the line, three years down the line. I want to see an adult. I want to see that you grew this thing up either to a mature male or a female. So I always, when I'm growing stuff up, looking ahead to the fact that eventually I'm hopefully going to be able to do a husbandry video where I not only show the spider as an adult, but I can go back and show it as a sling, show it as a juvenile, and have people have the confidence to know that I raised this thing all the way up and what I did a apparently worked. So that when I first started, I did try to get my guys out of the sling stage more quickly. I did pick a more aggressive feeding schedule because again, I was trying to get a little more growth out of them early on so I could show off a spider that at least looked like a juvenile. And then what ended up happening is I got more and more spiders. It was sometimes just easier to feed everybody all at once rather than pick and choose. And what I mean by that is I would get crickets and usually I would feed everybody once a week. It was more because A, it allowed me to check for boluses, clean out enclosures, check on the spiders, clean out water dishes, fill water dishes. And while you're doing all that, you might as well just feed them. So earlier on, I had a much more aggressive feeding schedule. The slings got fed anywhere from two to three times a week. Juveniles, depending on the species, usually two times a week or so, sometimes one time a week. And then most of my adults got fed once a week. So if you were to watch some of my older husbandry videos, even some of my newer husbandry videos, there's usually a little blurb where I explain my feeding schedule. And that wasn't to say this is the right way to do it. It was to hopefully show people, these are my, I always say my temperatures, these are my temperatures, this is how often I feed them, this is what I got for a spider. And I was hoping that in that respect, people would be able to take that kind of information, kind of put it together and go, all right, his temperatures are a little on the cooler side. He's feeding them once a week. 
this is what he's getting for growth. So it was more to just kind of show folks what could be done, not saying it's the right way to do it. Because I've had people come on and go, hey, I have the same spider and I only feed it every two weeks. Is that okay? Yes, it's totally okay. And that's why I started putting a little thing on the videos on the bottom saying, you know, pick a feeding schedule that works for you because there is no right or wrong feeding schedule. But personally speaking, that was my feeding schedule for quite some time. And then what started happening is more time went past. I started looking at my collection. I started looking at the fact that, you know what? What I was getting from a lot of species, we're going to go back to that for myctopus, is spiders that would eat, 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 fatten up. Because feeding an adult spider once a week, that's a pretty aggressive schedule, especially for some of the bigger ones. All of a sudden, I get my Formictibus species, my Therophosa species, my Pamphibia species. They would fatten up to the point where it would take them forever to molt. And I'm like, what am I really gaining out of this? And then you just have a really fat spider for quite some time. And although I wasn't looking at the spider going, it's obese, I struggle with that whole obesity thing when we talk about spiders. I recognize I could probably tone things back. So then I kind of went to more of a schedule where I was feeding, again, the slings usually about twice a week or so. The juveniles went to once every once a week, once every two weeks, and then my adults, it was every two weeks. Now, let's fast forward, and this was just before I did the interview with Dr. Andy Anderson, and I think if you listen to it, you can kind of hear me working this out in my mind, like, oh, hey, we're on to something here. Most recently, I've gone to a much less aggressive feeding schedule. My slings I check on still usually feed them twice a week or so, or probably would end up getting fed, I don't know, we'll say three times in a two-week period. So not quite as aggressive as I was doing before. My juveniles and adults, sometimes every three weeks, sometimes once a month. And I usually feed them larger meals now overall, but I don't feed them as often. And that's something I've changed quite a bit from back in the day, partially because I really recognize the fact that you start to look at spiders and go, hey, that spider's in good shape. It's something like you do it with dogs. Like I'll bring my dogs to vet and we pamper our dogs. So sometimes it's like, guys, you feed them a little too much. We have to kind of slow them down a little bit. But you can recognize when a dog's in good shape, meaning it's healthy, it's well-fed, but it's not overly fat. Now, you can't do the overly fat thing with spiders so much because overly fat just means they're going to go into pre-molt and molt. But I try to keep them from going right up to that pre-molt phase. I try to give them some time just being healthy, being looking like the abdomen doesn't look like it's swollen like a tick. So I've really slowed things down a bit. So it was kind of nice when we had the interview with Dr. Andy Anderson because he was giving me a little more of a perspective from his side of it, the medical side of it, of why what I was doing before might be causing some health issues or could possibly cause health issues with my spiders. I know I've had some Pisolotheria species that I've seen get so fat to the point where I'm like, this can't be good. It happened with my Pisolotheria metallica, my oldest female, who is now, I believe, about 10 years old, I want to say. And I remember at one point, she was super, super fat. I dropped a cricket in, she ate, and I'm like, what am I doing? She does not need to eat right now. So, this is kind of an evolution in my thought process on the care of tarantulas. It's an evolution too in just now that I've gotten, this is why we're leading into the lifespan portion of this. Now that I've gotten to the point where some of my spiders I've had for well over a decade, I'm starting to see some of my older spiders pass and they're passing some of them. I look at and it's like, all right, that's about what I expected. Others, I'm like, hey, I wonder, looking back at how I raised this, looking back at how quickly I got this thing from a teeny tiny sling to a three and a half inch juvenile young adult, 
did I shorten the lifespan a little bit on him? I think I'm, it's able, it's given me a different perspective on it. Now, I'm not backtracking on the fact that I think in the grand scheme of things, a spider that is dies at 11 years, is that really that much different than a spider that dies at 13 years, 14 years? No, I think there's obviously variation between from specimen to specimen that has nothing to do with how they were raised up. There's just, that's the natural order of things with living things are concerned. Some live longer than others, even in the same species. So let me make that very, very clear. However, looking at some of the ones that passed, looking at how quickly I got them up, that is in the back of my mind now. Now, suddenly when I did this little chart, I had like the 15 year lifespan and on the female with the quote unquote power feeding, I had the last maybe two or three years blocked off in gray with a question mark. And I was like, it really doesn't look very significant when you look at the whole health bar of it. However, now I look at that little question mark and go, oh, it would have been two more years with the spider that I've had a very long time with. So that's one of the things I've been thinking about lately. And one of the things that kind of brought this up and why I'm going about this the roundabout way is how many folks have been asking me later uh, lately how long a certain species lives. It happens just about every time I post a video. Yeah, but what's the max age? How long do they live? And I think we have a problem in the hobby where, again, I think sometimes we over-exaggerate our max lifespans or we put to it. It's kind of like when we talk about tarantula size. We know that tarantulas, some tarantulas can get to be supposedly 11 to 12 inches. We know it's happened. It's It's been proven. However, is that the exception or the rule? I think that's something that really needs to be looked at sometimes with some of these larger species because people get like a 10-inch spider. A 10-inch spider is enormous. And they go, oh, I don't get it. I thought this was going to get to 12 inches. No, some species will get there. Many won't. It's like, can a human being get to be seven feet tall? Absolutely. Do most human beings get to be seven feet tall? No, they don't. And I think we do kind of the same thing with the lifespans. I think, unfortunately, we put out there they can live. I've seen things where they go, they live 10 to 15 years. And somebody immediately looks at that. Guess which number they really zone in on? It's not the 10. It's the 15. 15 years. That's excellent. Well, no, 10 to 15 years. And that means maybe nine. You know, if you really look at it, maybe 16 years. And I think that we've kind of set ourselves up a bit sometimes as a hobby with putting these numbers out there and not explaining them a little bit. And I think we set ourselves up where we pick up an animal, we see 15 years, the animal dies at 10 years, which was probably a good long lifespan, and then we start to freak out. And then we're like, well, what do you mean I only live 10 years? So one of the things I wanted to examine a bit is some of the ones I've had past that were older spiders and kind of give you guys an idea of what I got for lifespans. Now, Again, back to that point I made when we started here, that is not to say people aren't going to have spiders that live much longer. I know for a fact when any time I've ever lost one, I always look up and try to find out what sort of lifespans did other keepers get? What were other people seeing? And sometimes I find ones that are younger than mine that pass. Sometimes I find mine that are a few years older than mine that pass. And unfortunately, without speaking the individual, finding out the temperatures, the how much you were fed, it's hard to figure out why that might be. But one of the, I want to kind of go through and use this as a springboard to just kind of talk about what we can realistically expect with some of the spiders. And I will say that recently I've had a couple dialogues with longtime keepers who have kind of agreed with what I'm about to say today or some of the things I've said today that I think sometimes people are over-exaggerate how long they live or... They look at, again, the exception, not the rule number. Oh, this one says it lives 15 years and not recognizing that a lot of folks are reporting theirs are like right around the 10-year mark. So what I hope to do is kind of just give people an idea of what to expect and then kind of discuss a bit some of the ones we expect to live longer, some of the ones that may be on that shorter side of things. So to kick it off, here are some of the ones that I've had passed from old age and how old they were. First one, 
My Tarina Kylis Muranis, or the OBT, my female passed last year at around 10 years. I was gutted with this one. For some reason, I just had it in my head. She wasn't as old as she was. And then again, this is one of the spiders you'll see sometimes people say 12 to 15 years. But 10 years, she would start to slow down before her last molt. It was already obvious she wasn't just eating as well. She wasn't mobile. It took her forever to molt the last time. And then she molted. She ate a couple more times, stopped eating, and that was it. So I don't think it was anything other than old age. 10 years is a good long time. Now, again, could they live longer? I know they can live longer. I've heard people that say they have ones that live 12 years. I've heard folks say that they've had ones that have lived eight years around that mark. I think 10 years would probably be around average, 10 to 12 would be fine. I've heard folks that have said they've gotten, and this is one thing you always want to look at when you're kind of considering tarantula lifespan. A lot of times when we talk about lifespan, we're looking at the ladies. Look at the males. If the males can mature very early on, that points toward a shorter lived species. So for example, with P. murinus, I had somebody say they had a mature male within a year. That's a short life, shorter lifespan for a male. And you have to guess the females. Again, that's going to indicate a shorter lifespan for the females overall. Obviously, females live a lot longer than the males, but it's kind of almost proportionate. So if you have, say, a Gramostola species where the male, for example, lives to, say, eight or nine years old, I'll discuss one of mine in a moment, you can expect the female to be up there in the 20s, 25, maybe even 30 years old. So if you have a male that matures in a year, that female's lifespan is going to be much shorter. So I think with P. murinus, obviously, depending on your temperatures, your feeding schedules, males anywhere from a year to two years. I had a buddy that had one. It was like 16 months it matured out. I had somebody else. It was a year. I had somebody else that kept theirs cooler, didn't feed them as much. It was like two years. And then under the same circumstances for a female, probably eight to 12 years or so around that spot. Next one, C. pubicins. I had two females I raised up from small slings. Both of them passed within the same year. It was right at the, just over the 10 year mark. So again, I remember early on, they were growing fairly quickly as, as slings. They got to that juvenile stage pretty quickly. When I went back through my records and looked at them, I realized these had looked like mature females for about seven years or so. So that was a long, that's one thing to consider too, is that when they get past the juvenile stage and they get into that young adult stage, which again is arbitrary, just kind of when they're smaller adults, when they're breeding age, females, that's it. That's the march of their actual lifespan. That's when, you know, they're not going to be doing as much growing at that point. They're not going to be molting as much. They're adults. So they're spending a lot of time in that adult stage. That's the biggest chunk of their lifespan. That's when we we start looking at them. Like, that's my tarantula. That's my full-grown tarantula. We've got to remember at that point, the clock's ticking. So 10 years for both C kind of pubes and same thing with both of them as far as they were slowing down a bit. Again, took a long time. This is what I've noticed with a lot of my adults. That last molt they have, it's a long period. It's like the body's like, are we going to do one more of these? And then they go through it, and then they kind of just wear down after that. So both of them, it was the same situation. One of them molted. It was eating okay. It slowed way down. I noticed it wasn't eating, and then eventually passed. Same thing with the other one. So right around the 10-year mark. Next one, Hapalopus formosus. We've already spoken about this one. I had my big female, B. Arthur. She was a young adult within about a year and a half. So I, this is one that I think has a much faster life cycle. Again, we talked about the male. My buddy had a male that was, I think, around the 10-month mark. 
the male I had with the original three that I got, I believe matured out around 15 months or so. So that's a short-lived species. So unfortunately, B. Arthur, right around eight years. I've had other people say seven years. I had somebody that said they had one that lived nine years. Male, anywhere from you know 10 months to a year and a half or so. Shorter-lived species overall. Carabina versicolor, my, my girl that I absolutely adored. She passed last year. It was, again, right around that magic 10-year mark. She was one that grew fairly quickly for me overall. When I went back and looked at the pictures, she wasn't it was about a year and a half or so when she started showing her adult female colors. So figure around two years or so, she was looking like a young female. She was obviously paired once, too. And she's same thing. She molted. She was starting to slow down. Hopefully, you guys are getting a common picture here. Finally molted again after not molting for quite some time. Thought she was eating until I found one of the crickets dead behind a water dish and realized I wasn't quite sure. And then she passed away not long afterwards. So another one that right around that 10-year mark or so. And while we're talking about what used to be an avicularia species, A, avicularia, avicularia, avicularia. Those, again, around shorter-lived species overall. I had a male mature in about a year and a half, year and three quarters or so. And then my female was about eight years when she finally passed. So I would say for these guys, eight to ten years is good. I've talked to other people, nine. I had somebody just email me. I was just died at ten. So the eight to ten-year mark or so seems to be about right for the avicularia species. Now, Ovilospes, Omothymus velocipes. I haven't talked about this one yet, but my old female died. Really bummed out about this one. I actually rehoused her, I think, about a year ago, year and a half ago. Gave her a big exoterra, tall, mini tall, whole setup. She was eating great. Same thing where I saw her kind of listless out and about. And I went to check on her a couple weeks ago. I hadn't seen her out and about. I dropped the cricket in, and the cricket went down in her tunnel. And usually you hear that scrambling of her eating. There was no scrambling. I looked down and she was just laid out. She looked like she was on the hunt, laid out, didn't wasn't a death curl or anything like that. But the color the coloration of her legs looked very dark and black. And I shined a flashlight down and she had passed. So very bummed about that one. But that was a spider that again, just over the 10-year mark. When I got her, when I, I got three of them back in the day, and I realized now they were fairly well started slings. So they might have been several months old when I got them. And they, the males reached sexually, there was three slings total. The males, I believe it was the 16-month mark, I got my first mature male. Shortly after that, second mature male. And then at that point, she was about, I want to say, four and a half, five inches or so. I rehoused her. So she was she got her blue colors, I think, the second year. She was looking like an adult female. So that was eight years she spent as an adult. So I would say pretty good lifespan overall. She was a big girl, about eight inches or so. Again, I've heard some people say theirs live a little longer. I've heard people say they've lost those earlier. I would say around the 10, you know, 8 to 12 year mark would probably be reasonable for these guys. I will say that mine were excellent eaters when I got them as slings, and I was super excited to possibly get one of these big blue spiders. Plus, I had heard they were very difficult to keep. And I was worried that I was going to lose them. So I really pumped the food to them early on. And they responded. I remember, I think I got them around the time where it was the summertime. So they got a lot of warm weather those first few months. And they grew very, very quickly. So again, when we're talking about lifespans, and I like to circle back to this, this is one of those species that I realize now, had I eased off on the feeding a little bit its first couple of years, I might have had it go to 12 years, 13 years. Next one up was my Bumba, originally Bumba Cabocla, now Bumba Harita. I missed that name. 
but I picked up the one that just died was a big female that I got as like a three inch young adult. She was showing her adult colors about eight years ago. So this one was probably in the nine year range or so. I do have two others that I raised up from slings. One of them was showing her adult colors back in 2016. She's the female that I still have. She's still alive. And then I had a mature male that that one took a little while to mature out. I believe it was like two and a half years or so he matured out. So I would guess with these guys, the 10 year mark, 12 year mark wouldn't be completely bizarre. I've heard other few, mine, the male grew a little more slowly. My other female grew a little more slowly. I've heard other folks say those grew, theirs grew much more quickly. So if you have ones that are growing super fast, somebody told me they had a mature male within about a year and a half, two years or so, which I've that seems super fast to me compared to mine. Then I guess you probably have, if you have a female from the same clutch growing the same uh, pace, you're probably looking at something that lives eight to 10 years or so. I would say right around mine right now, I have one over here that is eight. The one, the other one died at nine. And my male, I believe it was quite, he he lasted quite a while after he molted. I want to say well over a year. So I don't, this is an interesting one. The only thing I can say is the female that I raised from a sling Still kicking. The other one, I'm guessing, was around two years old when I got it. So right around the 10-year mark. So again, right around that 10-year mark or so. Now, the this one has not died yet, but I think it'll give an example of how long some of the long-lived ones can live. I had a Grandma Stola Polkra that I picked up for my birthday about ooh, eight years ago. He's a mature male. He's been a mature male now for about two years, and he's still doing great. He's eating. He's drinking. He's active, looking good. So if a male can live, and I've heard with the Gramostol Polkras, the males can live eight to 10 years. Now that's a huge growth rate. You can imagine how long a female would live. So I would say that with G Polkra, females living 25, 30 years would not be out of the realm of possibility. And when talking about super long-lived tarantulas, let's not forget the queen, my G Porteri slash G Rosea. She died fairly recently, about a year and a half ago, after I had had her for 25 years. And what really makes this, now the 25 years is incredible enough, but what really makes this an absolutely fantastic story is the fact that she was basically an adult female when I got her. She was about four and a half inches when I first got her. So this was a spider that was likely wild caught, unfortunately, that was probably at least 10 years old when I got her. So you're talking 35 years for this spider to live. That's a huge, huge lifespan. So that's one that on the other end, we talk about Gramostola species, Afonapelma species, Brachypelma species. We joke, a lot of us that are, especially older, those of us who are older in the hobby, they're picking these up, that our grandkids are going to inherit them because those spiders, they take forever to get out of that sling stage. We talked about some slings that would rush on through earlier in the podcast and you get them easily from, you know, a quarter inch to three inches, four inches in a year. Well, forget about it with these guys. Most folks report super slow growth rate, especially early on. It can take years to get them up to just the inch mark. So you can imagine how long they can live for. It's it's impressive. And these are the ones I was talking about earlier that the hobby, although it's been around since the 70s, people have talked about getting spiders in the 70s. A lot of those spiders were wild caught. So nobody knows how old they were when they got them. Now that we're raising some of these babies up, these captive bred slings up, it'll be interesting to see how long they can actually live for, especially in captivity. We still don't know how long they can live for. I want to say the oldest living tarantula species 
was around the 40. I want to say it was a Brocky Pelma Hammerai or Smithy, but we're not even sure yet. So that's still something years from now we may start hearing reports of people like, yeah, I picked this one up in the 80s as a sling. I still have it. It's going to be amazing. So we're not sure how long some of those older ones grow. Those are the ones that I think, honestly, we all complain because it takes forever to get them to adulthood, but they are some of the longest living pets out there. So who knows how long we'll find it. I'm sure somebody will shatter that record eventually. I think the longest living spider so far on record was a trapdoor spider in Australia that was 43, I want to say. But I wouldn't be surprised if a tarantula ends up beating that at some point. We'll just Time will tell. We'll have to see. And then the last one on my list, I had two Ophilopinus females. Now, I've heard the males. Somebody told me they had a male mature out in less than a year. So that, again, points to a faster growing species. When I got my two females, my original two females, I realized after the fact I was buying slings, I was sent good-sized spiders. They were probably about an inch and a half or so, and having raised these guys from teeny tiny slings, it took them a while mine, a while to get to that point when I had them. So I'm guessing they were probably anywhere from a year to year and a half old, maybe even older when I first got them. But both of them hit right around the seven, eight-year mark. The first one passed away. Again, she, it was one of those ones she had molded for a while. She came out. Said, you guys know the drill by now. The second one, though, I oh, that was the heartbreaking one where I paired her. She had a sack. I pulled the sack from her. She fought me the whole way. And then she basically made a phantom sack full of dirt and carried it around until the day she died. It was depressing. She wasn't eating. She wasn't, it didn't appear she was drinking and she ended up passing away. So I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I had, I'm guessing mine were around eight or so when they died. I wouldn't be surprised if people have them that live nine or longer. That's just when mine went, but they did basically pass within about a year of each other. And they were both from the same sack. So hopefully by sharing these, some people will get an idea of looking at, you know, if the male lives this long, you can expect the female to live around that long. At least some folks now you have an idea. I'm just going to keep sharing this stuff as time goes on. So people have an idea of at least what I'm seeing as far as longevity for the different species. The one thing I want to circle back to is now that these guys have passed, and I mentioned this already with the P. Murinus, I am recognizing the fact that, again, that little gray bar I did on that chart, that extra two years, I would have loved to have extra two years with them. So that is something, do you drastically shorten their lifespan if you're feeding them more often? In the grand scheme of things, no. I I think, honestly, could you drag out the lifespan? I think that's the way we need to look at it. You definitely could probably increase the lifespan with cooler temps. You're going to slow down that metabolism. They're not going to grow as quickly. By not feeding them as much, I'm guessing you could probably stretch out that lifespan a bit. But does it shorten it all that much? In the grand scheme of things, I don't know. That's something the keeper will have to decide. But I do think, again, one of the reasons I wanted to do this, because you guys know the temperatures I kept them out, and a lot of these, the ones, all the ones that I mentioned, I picked up back in the day when I had you know cooler temps in my house. And I was feeding them. They, who knows if they had warmer temps, maybe they wouldn't have lived quite as long as they even did there. I've had folks tell me before, and what will happen is somebody will go, oh, I'm so depressed. I had my, I think one of them was an avicularia species, and it goes, it just died after seven years. I don't understand. I thought these were supposed to live 12 years or so. And so I asked, you know, well, when did you get it? How, you know, what are your temperatures? The spider was kept in the 80s. They had an f- aggressive feeding schedule, and it probably did pick up size, hit maturity earlier, and as a result, died earlier. So that's something we should keep in mind as hobbyists and have in the back of our mind. If we want those spiders to live longer, maybe we slow down the feeding schedule a little bit. I think a good place to start is starting to recognize when your spider is 
shall we call it, satisfactorily plumped. <laughs> that spot where that looks like a healthy spider. It's not bloated. It's not ridiculously. It doesn't look like a tick about the pop. It just looks like it's in good shape. And then recognizing that and slowing down, not feeding it for a bit. Make sure the water's changed. Make sure, obviously, you're checking on it weekly. But lay off the feeding a bit until it looks like maybe the abdomen's shrinking down a little bit and then feed it again. That could extend the lifespans a little bit. There's one thing that, you know, and I've argued this before. I think comparing life in captivity to life in the wild is a tricky subject because there's so many things that are different in captivity compared to the wild. And I know there's folks out there that say, oh, we see them in the wild all the time and they're much, much thinner. And then you got to ask yourself, are they much thinner because there is a lack of food? Is that a healthy thing? Is If you see an animal in the wild that's not able to get enough food and it's not as plump, is that a good thing? Is that something we should try to remedy in captivity? Should we try to keep it the same way and keep our spiders thin? I don't know. I'm not sure what the answer is to that. I do think, however, there is a spot where most spiders, and I think most of us, when we kept them for a while, will recognize it when they look like they're in good shape. And at that point, maybe that's where we sit there and go, you know what? And I've been doing this a lot more often to talk about my feeding schedule now. I have several Formictopus species that have been super plump. And normally what I would do is every week when I would feed or every other week when I'd feed, I'd open their containers. I'd toss a cricket in to see if they're still eating. They'd be eating. I'd talk another, toss another cricket in. I haven't been doing that for months now. What I do is I open them up. They're fat. I change the water dish. I put the cover back on. I put them back. They haven't. I have a couple that I haven't fed now in two months. They would probably take a cricket again if I fed it to them, but what's the point? They're plump. They're in good shape. They have enough there, and I've had a couple of them that I've done that with that actually ended up molting, so I didn't feed them for a couple months. They hadn't actually gone into pre-molt, and they end up molting, molting on me, so as I always state when I put my feeding schedules in the videos, this is just my personal take on it now, something that I'm starting to again, I think a lot of it is starting to watch some of my older ones die off and recognizing, hey, maybe I would have liked another year for it. That's part of it. Starting to recognize that just because they still will eat doesn't mean they have to eat. Talking to Dr. Andy Anderson obviously started me really thinking in terms of health. You know, again, is it healthy to have a spider that fat for that long? I don't know. The fact that he brought up, he thinks there could be molting issues from it. That's something I want to keep in mind. So a lot of these started to come together. And I looked at, again, with everything, it's risk versus reward. It's pro versus con. What are the pros of me slowing down the feeding schedule, especially for my older ones? Well, the pros are I'm not spending as much money as food, which I really don't care about, but I guess it's a pro. Uh, I may get a couple extra years out of them. That's a good pro. I may have healthy, more active spiders. That's a pro. What are the cons in it? Honestly, all I can think of is I don't get to watch them eat as much. And I think that's one of the reasons why we end up with such chubby spiders sometimes is because that's one of the most fun parts of the hobby is feeding them. That's when you can draw out ones that you don't see all that long. So besides that, I don't know there's much of a con in it. As far as growing up my slings, I am going to continue feeding my slings more often. That's, I just, again, I want them out of that sling stage as quickly as possible. And again, part of what I do is talk about animals in their care. So it does make sense for me to get them to a decent size so that I can talk about their care with some type of authority and say, hey, look, it's going well. I've got them from here to here. So yeah, I will still feeding them, but juveniles have slowed way down on the juveniles. I've slowed way down on the adults, and that'll probably be it for the time being. So I got to start working on some of my notes as far as my videos are concerned because I am – every time I change a feeding schedule, I do – alter it on the videos just so people know where I'm at. Again, it's just a suggestion. So to conclude, 
I'm not telling people that their spiders will only live as long as mine. I'm not saying that at all. I'd like to think I've given mine good care. I'd like to think they died, they lived good lives and died of old age. Am I going to fool myself into thinking that people aren't out there don't have ones that live longer? I'm sure they have. Are there people out there that probably have ones that live shorter that took just as good care? I'm sure they have. This is just to get the discussion going because what I would like to see happen here, what I would like to see now, and again, this is obviously going to be something for more for keepers who have been in the hobby for a while. What were some of your lifespans on some of the species you kept? I would love people to chime in and I'm going to try to figure out, I, I have the obvious website where I can put questions in there. Also, Spotify now has, has something where you can put questions down and you can get comments off that. I might put up a poll asking folks how much, how often they feed their spiders. But what I would like to look at here, if you have a spider that you feel like you've grown up, whether it be a male or female to old age and it is passed, how long did it live? What was your feeding schedule like, generally speaking? And what were the temperatures like? I think that would be amazing information to give people a more realistic look of how long these guys live. I know every time I've had one pass, I go and I do a search on the uh, Google and look up every forum, every post I can find about a certain species and try to give a ballpark. And it made me feel better. I'll tell you, if you ever have you know one die and you're like, hey, I thought I was going to live much longer, look some of these up because you start to get, you know, there's always the folks that have ones that live a little bit longer, but you start to realize when you hear 12 to 15, eh, you might be looking more toward 10. But what I want to do here is put something together that folks chime in anytime they lose one and they think of old age so we can have realistic views of how long they live. Again, I don't want the one thing that kind of bothers me sometimes is when people go, oh, how long do they live for? And I go 10 years and they're like, that's it that's it 10 years is a good amount of time but again I think that's because we have those slow growing species that live forever that people start to get spoiled by those I, I've mentioned before I didn't get into true spiders for quite some time because I was spoiled by the lifespans of tarantulas and the idea of having a spider that only lasts a year or two max kind of didn't appeal to me but now I'm getting to the point where it's like all right I enjoy all the time I have with them no matter how long or how short it is so this is what I'm asking for you all it would be a huge help to me I think it would be a huge help to hobbyists everywhere chime in with your info these are the species I've had this is how long they live these are generally the conditions I keep them in and the feeding schedule I have and I think that would give us a much better idea of the lifespans it also will give us a little data to look at as far as like if i see somebody that's keeping theirs at 85 degrees all year round and they're feeding it weekly and it only lives to seven years that's a good indication that with the right temps and the right feeding schedule you can shorten the lifespan a great deal i haven't seen a lot of evidence like that yet but i would love to see it so please chime in either on Spotify, on the website, let us know. I'd love to put together a bank of this and continue. This is one of those things keep in the back of your mind. I think sometimes what happens is people listen to a podcast. They like it. They didn't like it. They move on. People are constantly revisiting these. New keepers are finding them. So if we keep adding information, like they go down to the comments and see all this stuff there, that's going to be great information for down the road. So if you lose something down the road, please remember this podcast and come chime in. It's never too late to put in. I want to keep it a running document. I would love to hear what people have. If I were to get enough information out of this one, we will definitely revisit it in a newer episode and we'll kind of look at some of the averages. I would love to have a bunch of folks chime in with their averages. I'd love this to get around and be able to put together a little chart and go, here's what you can expect. Here's what P. Muranus, this is what people were looking at. The Avicularia Avicularia, this is what we're looking at. The more species we can get, the more keepers we can get to chime in. Again, I get a lot of folks out there probably listening to this right now, haven't been in it long enough 
to lose one from old age. But for those of you that have or know somebody to have, please chime in. It would be excellent information. So that'll do it for this one. If you want to check out what I got going on YouTube, I did see Oliviseum. We rehoused mine looking stunning. It's got this beautiful, it's supposed to be black. It's black furry is one of the common names, but it's definitely got a blue hue under the light and it's molted a month and a half or so ago. So it's holding on to that blue for a little while. Beautiful spider. Love these guys. As always, you can find me on thomasbigspiders.com. You can find me on YouTube. You can respond to this podcast either through Spotify or Thomas Big Spiders, the podcast, and leave a comment. I'm, again, I'm going to go afterwards and try to see if I can do a couple polls. I'd really love to get some info on this one. Guys, stay safe. We'll catch you all next time.